Welcome back to What Off Topic. Hey, Brad. Good evening, Andrew. What's going on? Oh, the usual. You know, um, it's uh, it's March, so it's been uh, warm. It's been cold. If you're playing the Auto Off Topic drinking game, you can take a drink from talking about weather. Is it uh, one drink per conversation about weather or per sentence? Because I don't know if we have multiple conversations in one episode, and that wouldn't be a very fun drinking game. Uh, yeah, I guess not. Yeah, just uh, you know, you can drink whenever we say like, uh, or like. I guess I would I also <laughs> like to say though that most of our listeners probably listen while driving, so it's probably not a good idea to play that game. No, probably not. So yeah. Uh, we're releasing ourselves of all responsibility by saying that, I think, is what I'm trying to do. Sure. So, don't listen to Andrew. No. Um, I did a couple of car stuff. Uh, a couple of car, car stuff. stuff. Car stuff. <laughs> car stuff I did. Hmm. Yep. Um, it but... sounds like you started the drinking game early. <laughs> no, actually, no. It's... Uh... You're just, just sitting in the night. You're just sitting in the kitchen going, um, crap, gotta drink again. Um, gotta drink again. <laughs> the uh where was I here? Where am I? Who am I? You did you did a couple car stuff. I did. And um here's a crazy thing. I got to drive a twenty twenty one L C seventy Land Cruiser pickup. Very cool. Um did you go to Iraq over the weekend and not tell me? <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's odd because it's yeah, it's a foreign market truck. Uh and it is a brand new 40-year-old truck. Yeah, they haven't changed them at all. It's got like modernish headlights, a modern like 5 mile an hour bumper kind of thing. So it's at least a 1974. Um and it's got like a modernish dash. Like not like a seventies Toyota Dash is like really squared. This is like if you mix this with like a two thousand five Corolla Dash Forerunner, yeah. And well, it's, no, because it's not even that deep. It's still the same depth of like a old Dash, uh, and it's got like probably like an O five Corolla steering wheel in it because it's got an airbag on both sides. Okay, but it's got super thin doors and crank windows like. A Montero, or mm. the way these Land Cruisers were. So you can probably f- tell why it's not sold in the States. Yeah. Um, but it's got ABS, uh, and it had, like, pizza cutter tires, and it's a five-speed manual, and I think it's a six-cylinder diesel, non-turbo. Okay. With no emissions equipment. <laughs> like, it is totally not legal for U.S. sale. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but... You have to drive it around the city today. Do you know what market they're made for? I mean, I, I know that you see them in like videos of the Middle East running up and down sand dunes, as well as other more nefarious. This acts. one is left-hand drive. Okay. Um. So like UAE. Yep. Africa. Like. Um. Yeah. Basically, I mean, if, it, if it doesn't, we're in the developing s- world. That's not right-hand drive. If it doesn't have any safety or emissions, I would assume they don't even sell them in Japan. No, I think I think when I look these up, they're actually built in Portugal hmm. for export. They're very cool looking trucks. 
Uh, I know that they're not cheap, even, you know, considering their market. No. They're probably like 45, 50 grand, right? Yeah, they're really expensive. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it drives cool. It's like, all right, this is what, like, it reminded me of the Raider, but way tighter and, um, like, a much better power band because of the diesel. Yeah, you mean it had a power band. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is why... Like diesel Monteros or Pieros are like really popular. Like, I would definitely import a diesel one with a manual. Yeah, I, I miss that driving experience of the first gen Montero Raider because it has that like very no apologies. I'm a truck. I'm built to do truck things. Uh, I'm slightly okay on the road because I have independent front suspension, but otherwise, I'm a truck. So. This had uh, this has got a solid front axle. It actually rode and drove really well, like better than a modern Jeep, in my opinion. Like the last I got, I think the last Jeep I've drove was like a YJ. Whatever one the, is before the current one. The skinny tires with a lot of sidewall probably helped that because a lot of the Jeeps have a wider tire and. Yeah, but I mean the roads aren't great around Boston, so it's nope. This truck's made for terrible roads and it <laughs> absorbed them quite well is this something you can take pictures of and post up or is there any kind of a reason you can't uh i don't think i can eh. but it's uh it's it's white i guarantee somebody took pictures of it driving around with you driving in it so if anybody has those pictures and wants to share them with us i mean i can't i can't stop you if we're out on the road right but um yeah it's a it's a neat little little thing. It was super fun to drive. Well, it's a and, rare uh, opportunity because it's it's obviously here on some kind of a development, you know, thing for the company you work for, obviously. So they have whatever whatever laws they have to allow it here to develop parts and things for it, which is cool that you're allowed to use it for even <laughs> driving around town. I mean, I don't know what the rules are. We just threw a dealer plate on it. Well, the rules are if it's got a dealer plate, it's legal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Put on a flatbed, bring it out to Arizona. I guarantee you I can get a plate on it and let's just drive this thing. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. If it's if it's done in time, maybe I'll borrow it for a cars and coffee out here. That'll really blow people's minds. Yeah, it definitely would. It, the fu- it, the funny thing is though, is that you can buy that same truck with the same style and the same headlights legitimately legally now and import it because they made them exactly the same in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. So I actually, I took pictures not that long ago at um, Four Till Four's Adventure Cars and Coffee, which is, you know, Land Rovers and Land Cruisers. And there was one there that was like a 95 or a 96. And it was basically the same truck. Um, The interior was probably a little older looking. But other than that, it was, you know, the same truck. So if you wanted one of these, it's not impossible to buy one. But I think that the fact that you drove a 2021 LC70 in Boston is kind of like, it's a pretty baller move. Not many people are going to be able to do that. I, I, the factory snorkel, like first gear, maybe does like ten miles an hour. <laughs> like you're like first gear, true, second, true granny gear. Um, so you could probably just start in second then. Yeah, you basically could. Yep, that's cool. It actually didn't feel that slow. It's probably like two hundred horsepower. Like it's really not. It's probably that not slow. super slow, but at the same time, you have nothing around you, so you're in a tin can, so that probably helps it uh, feel a little more. No, spirity. I mean it. 
I mean, I've only been driving the the all track, which is only like 180 horsepower. This this did not feel much slower. Really? This was, no, this is it is pretty good. I mean, it, it was geared I bet super the, short. Yeah, I bet it's the gearing. I bet once you yeah. get up around like 55, 60, it probably oh, it probably tops out at like 65. Tops. Like it yeah. wouldn't, you know, I, highway speed is like that's it. Yeah. So these and I don't even know what the tires are rated for. Yeah. They're 25. Yeah. 25 on uh, pavement, 95 on sand. <laughs> it's a neat truck. And yeah, if we finish it up, it probably does need more verification driving. So maybe I'll borrow it if time allows. That'd be cool. And, and then find out if you can take pictures of it and take it off roading. <laughs> That's what you Maybe. Do. Maybe we, we might need that actually. That would be cool. Marketing. Yeah, that would be cool. So excellent. Anyway, that's a cool thing I got to do. Yeah, I have I have a couple of stories I can update. Oh, one I can update, one I can tell. Um as everybody knows, I had a wreck with my sob, right? About a month ago now. Uh, actually a month and like four days, so a little over a month. Um it's taken that long, but now everything is settled out. Uh, fault has been determined. Apparently it was determined right away, but I was not aware of that because couldn't get a copy of the paperwork. Um, so everything is settled to a point where I can tell the story now. I don't have to worry about it. Um, the, the short version of the story is the other guy was cited. So there's not going to be any issue as far as liability goes. Um, I will sit here and promote heavily Haggerty Insurance because they made the process as easy as they could for me. Um, I had a stated value on the vehicle and they paid it without question. They took care of everything. I've sent them all of my medical costs since the accident and uh, they already cut a check for those. So they are really good. And I've heard a lot of things about them, you know, being good. And I used them for a windshield and I was happy with that, but I hope I never had to use them for a real accident, but unfortunately I did. Um, not because it was my fault, but because the other guy's insurance is a notably slow insurance company. They're actually a high-risk insurance company, meaning the only reason you have that insurance is because you're a high-risk driver and other insurance companies have already told you no. So that's a... Uh, when you're dealing with a company like that, generally they're a little bit slower because they don't really have much customer service because they don't need it. So, um, Haggerty took care of me. So I never told the story of how the accident happened. So if you want to sit down and buckle up, the impact was hard. Um, it was a rough one. Uh, what happened? I was driving down what is known here as state route 202. I saw a maroon pickup truck in front of me and I watched him slow down significantly. And there was a white RAV4 in between us. So we were in the number one lane, which is the leftmost lane, the passing lane. And then there's an open carpool lane next to that. So I watched him slow down significantly in the passing lane. Um, and then the white RAV4 got to a point where he got annoyed because this guy was going from like 70 to 55. And he passed him on the right in the middle lane and then cleared him and got in front of him and kept going in the passing lane because we were driving past 
18 wheelers and stuff that were in the middle lane and the far right lane. So the gentleman in the, I use that term very loosely, the gentleman in the red pickup truck went into the carpool lane, which this was at eight in the morning. So the carpool lane is only for drivers with cars with two or more passengers. He went in the carpool lane, accelerated past the RAV4, swooped down in front of him and jammed on his brakes, trying to get the RAV4 to hit him. And he did this multiple times. And I watched this whole thing happening and I was like, that's annoying. This guy is being super aggressive and he's obviously, you know, either really road raged or he's trying to cause an accident for like an insurance scam. One of those two things is happening right now. Either way, I don't want to be involved in this. So I hung back a little bit. Eventually, the white RAV4, who was, to his credit, excellent driver, did not get in an accident with this guy, anticipated all the moves with him, managed to avoid him, found an open spot a little later on down the road, and you know his RAV4 was significantly faster than like the 04 Silverado. And then probably, he probably accelerated to 90, 100 just to get away from him and did. Yeah, because it's like a V6 RAV4 is like 300 horsepower. Yeah, they're way overpowered for what they are, for sure. So anyway, going down the road. Now, the main problem is that there's heavy traffic in the right two lanes. And this particular part of the 202 is a lot of uphill. You know, significant uphill, especially considering we're in Phoenix. But this is a little in the outskirts of town. And it's a bit of an uphill, and the 18-wheelers have a kind of a hard time maintaining a speed on these hills. So I'm now behind him and we're cruising along in the left lane doing 70 driving past all the 18 wheelers. And he does the same thing to me. Now he starts slowing down to like 55, 50 miles an hour. And now I'm all right. I'm annoyed, but I don't want to do anything to cause this guy to be like the same thing to me. I don't want to deal with this guy. Like I already know what he's going to do. I'm not going to deal with him. I'm going to avoid him like the plague. So I wait until there's, a significant amount of space and I do the same thing the other guy did I get into the center lane there's no 18 wheels in front of me I go by this guy and I go by the car in front of him eventually I catch up to another car in the center lane and I move back to the left lane and I'm like I'm all set life is good <coughs> excuse me I have a cough so fast forward like I don't know a quarter mile to a mile I catch in my rear view left mirror that his red truck is back in the carpool lane and he's flying by everybody in the carpool lane to catch back up to me. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to hit an accident with this guy. He's going to try to swoop in front of me. I know it's going to happen. I'm ready on the brakes. I'm waiting to like, you know, I have enough space between me and the car behind me that I can hit the brakes. And everything's right. I, I saw the whole thing coming. I know it's going to happen. So fine. I'm not going to worry about it. So I'm driving along. I can't get out of my lane because his car is in the center lane now. I see him start to come over in front of me. So I go to hit the brakes. And instead of clearing my car first, he just drives into my side fender. I was not expecting that. I couldn't get stopped in time. I got stopped fast enough that his back bumper caught my wheel, probably. Because you can see the rotational marks on the side of the wheels. I apologize. I have to. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm talking too much here. Um, so his back bumper of his Silverado caught the left front wheel and fender of my Saab. 
this is 100% on purpose at this point. There's no other reason for it. Unless he thought he had cleared me and was trying to get in front of me real close and jam on his brakes, but he hadn't cleared my car yet. So the problem arose because his back bumper then hooked on my front bumper. And once that happened, it was all over. There was nothing I could do. You know, I came off the gas, but he was still accelerating to get in front of me. He has a, you know, what, 6,500 pound truck and I'm a 3,200 pound Saab. Yeah. So momentum's on his side. Our cars were hooked together. He basically pit maneuvers himself. Now he's sideways in front of me. And now you can see the damage on the front of my car is the rotational mark from his tire because he's still in the gas. Basically like doing a burnout on the front of my car and on the pavement. And you can see the yaw on the pavement from the edge of the carpooling across. And my car is now just stuck on his car. So we're not too bad at this point, but I am trying to steer out of it. But because our bumpers are hooked and you look at the pictures afterwards, you can see where his bumper is pulled back and mine's pulled forward. I can't do anything. I'm just stuck in the car. I don't come off of his car until he is facing the opposite direction on the interstate. And then there's enough separation of our cars for me to get like off his bumper. He hit the wall with the left front corner. So the opposite retaining wall on the right hand side of the highway, he hit the left front corner of his wall into the K rail, like the cement barrier, and then flung the back left quarter of his truck into that wall as well and shifted the whole back frame. His truck was junk total. He hit the wall probably 45, 50 miles an hour. Problem now is that the second that our cars became dislodged, I was halfway through the right lane, almost in the um, breakdown lane, still traveling at 45, 50 miles an hour. And I remember cranking the wheel as hard as I could, and I was on the brakes, and there was just, I had 10 feet to stop, and there was no way to do it. The yaw of the car was already way too far beyond where anything could be done with the tires. So even though the wheel was cranked hard left, the car was still going straight. And uh, I buried the front of the Saab in the wall at 45, 50 miles an hour. So I I remember the last thought I had was, oh, I'm going to hit that wall. And uh, then I don't remember anything until I was slowly rolling down the interstate along the wall maybe 200 feet down the road from there. So I don't know if I blacked out or if I had a concussion or or what. The next few days afterwards seemed to push to the fact that I had a concussion. So um, it was rough. It was a rough morning. Uh, I've had a lot of miles under my belt. I've driven across the country, what, 10 times now probably. Um, a lot of commuting miles. You know, I've I've never in my life had that kind of an impact. I've had a couple of bumps in traffic, you know, where somebody bumps in your car in traffic or something, but I've never experienced that kind of an impact and uh, I don't recommend it. And I hope I never do it again. We'll put it that way. Um, I hit the wall so hard that the car bent in the middle and collapsed the roof between the front and rear doors. So, I mean, both airbags went off. After I hit the wall, the rear end of the car swung into the wall and smashed the quarter panel and rear bumper. And I mean, it it was a mess. Um, To the Saab's credit, I walked away. Very minor injuries. Uh, The car actually drove onto the back of the flatbed. 
So the car was a banana, but other than that, it still seemed to work. But from that moment of saying, I'm going to hit that wall until I kind of came to rolling down the breakdown lane, like scraping up against the retaining wall, I remember nothing until I was like, ah, I got to stop this thing and hitting the brakes and putting it in park and then trying to like figure out what happened and find where all my morning coffee was in the car and find my glasses and <laughs> all that stuff. Cause it was a, it was a harrowing, harrowing moment in time. Um, like I said, I, I saw what this guy was doing and I was all ready for it. I just wasn't ready for him to turn into the side of my car before he cleared my car. And I just, I couldn't get stopped in time. So a witness stopped. I didn't realize this at the time. I didn't see the witness stop, but he talked to the other guy in the truck and he gave him his card. And when the police arrived, the other driver told the police officer that I was driving erratically and I rear-ended him, um, which the cop apparently didn't believe at all based on the marks in the cars. There was no impact on the front of my car from rear-ending somebody and there was no impact in the back of his car. The impact was to the side. And according to the police report that I now have, the other driver said, well, I don't know what lane I was in. Maybe I was in the carpool lane. Maybe I wasn't. I was, he was, I saw him coming. He was driving way too fast and I was just trying to change lanes and he was in my way. That's what he eventually changed his story to. So, which also, even if that is what happened, which it isn't, that still puts him at fault because he says he saw me and changed lanes anyway. So yeah. thankfully because of that, um, the police officer cited him for unsafe lane change, which I guess is the best worst case like i wish he could have got him for you know road rage and i mean assault pretty much but he didn't witness that obviously so it's only my word against his um and the other good news is that that witness gave him his card and said that you know he'd give a statement of what happened corroborated my story so he said that uh he had witnessed the red truck driving at a high rate of speed in the carpool lane and then cutting over into the passing lane so, thankfully, because I guess at the end of the day, the truth will set you free, right? What happened is what I said happened, and uh, the witness corroborated it, and all is well, and the other guy was cited, and he already had a very questionable driving record here in Arizona. He has what they call an uh, SR-22 or something like that. It's a provisional driving license because you have so many incidents. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had just gotten his license back in December from losing it in the past. So this is a a guy who probably shouldn't be on the road. And it sounds like I, my my legitimate thought is that he was trying to pull an insurance scam. You hear about all those like swoop and dive, you know, scams and whatnot. Yeah. After watching him do it to somebody else. And then again, I knew it was going to happen and I was all ready for it to happen. And then he just turned in before I was even ready to react. And it's just. I don't know if he misjudged it or what happened, but it, it definitely, it ruined my month. We'll put it that way. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was in serious pain for a while. I had some pretty heavy, like bruising from a couple of things, obviously the impact into a wall, you know, I did a, not to be too morbid, but I did a, a Dale Earnhardt style angle hit on the wall. Um, thankfully, I'm okay, but I had, you know, the bruising from the seatbelt, from the airbag. I had a lot of internal, uh, 
swelling. So I had a lot of pain from things being moved around where they shouldn't be. And it just was, it was not a, it was not a good month. So, and then I was bummed about the car because, you know, the story of the Saab wasn't over yet. You know, I was, it's, I've owned the car since what, 2012, 2013. And I had just had all that work done to it, all the work that you and I did to it, all the work that I had done to it. And then I was, I had it here in Arizona and I was doing all the cleaning and detailing and I had gotten a lot done on that car to improve it, you know? So, well, look at this way. The gas tank didn't fall out. The gas tank did not fall out. No, we did. We did a bang up job putting those straps on. So no, it was, it was just, it's, it's a huge bummer, you know? And I put pictures up the day it happened. You can go back on my Instagram account and look at them. Um, I put it all into one post, the pictures of the damage of the car and then all the stuff I had done. Literally, I spent that entire weekend like dyeing the carpets and polishing scratches and cleaning up moldings and just putting new emblems on the car. I would, it, it, it's just, it's very frustrating, but it is what it is. The plan was to bring it to Radwood in Austin and then uh, obviously that didn't happen either, but regardless, the car no longer exists, so... Somebody at the junkyard is going to get a brand new set of four tires. Oh, they're all flat spotted, but yeah, they might be. Who knows? <laughs> they're probably fine. I, uh, my, my dumb car guy brain almost bought the car back from the insurance company because it was like 500 bucks. No, no. And I was like, it's got all new axles and brakes and tires. <laughs> and I could just find another 9,000 that needs those things and be ahead of the game again. But, um, wisely, uh, some people in my life, namely you and Jordan and Andy and Naomi, quickly made me realize that all that would happen is if I bought it back from the insurance company, there'd be a wrecked sob in my backyard for the next three years. So, yeah, sounds like there's mostly uh, Naomi. It was all you guys. You all uh, keep, keep keep me in line sometimes. You know what I mean? I mean, we didn't even hesitate, but definitely I wouldn't want that in my yard. No, no, it was just it was that it's that that whole like you have all this new stuff on the car you know like and there's tons of nine thousands for sale they're like two thousand bucks just need a little love and i was like well, i have all the brand new parts i'll just swap it all over but it didn't that's more work than just buying new parts for it at the end of the day you're right and the insurance check will cover all the work i put into the car um yeah that's the point if I had built it, you know, if I build up my time that I into it, it wouldn't cover it, but it does cover the costs of everything. So I'm not going to be upside down. Um, unfortunately, that also means that because I had put a bunch of stuff on the credit card, I should use the, I had to use the some, you know, 40% of the payout of the car to pay all the debt I had to the car. But at least it's gone now. I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's depressing because as much as I was trying not to fall in love with the car again, it, it, I drove it across country, like incident free, you know, it was a good car. Yeah. It's one way to get rid of a car. I guess I don't recommend it. I'll tell you that right now. It was definitely not, uh, it was not fun. It, it's not, it's, it's pretty much ruined the entire month because I couldn't move. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. get to work on anything else. I could touch anything else. You know, I also, I have a broken hand and thumb and I wasn't even able to do anything like <laughs> I'm a lefty and it's my left hand. Like everything just sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. but anyway, there'll be no more Saab 9000 talk on the auto off topic podcast. So sad day. 
is what it is. I'm not over it yet. It'll take a while. Seems but, it. Yeah. It is what it is. Nothing I can do about it, right? At least at the end of the day. Not really. Everything worked out in my favor. It's You've just, only got 10 other cars to play with. <laughs> that's not important, Andrew. <laughs> That's how it's how we are, you know. You can't have the one you want. You gotta have all the other garbage I already have. Listen, I, I I'm glad I was in that car. Um, that was the best car you had to be in that, other than your other than the Volkswagen. Wagon. It was the best vintage <laughs> car to be in. Um, I probably wouldn't have been in the same scenario if I was in a Colt or a Cressida because I would have been doing 55 in the right lane and not 70 in the left lane. But nonetheless. I guess if you got to think of it anyway, I, at least I hit the wall with a 1997 car with crumple zones and airbags. So, anyway, that's my, hesitate to say it, sob story. Sob, sob, sob story. So, I have another story. You want another story? Is it Brad's story time today? Sure. Want to talk about car show etiquette? Yeah. What I, is car I don't show? really... I like heard a little bit of this, but I didn't hear, hear the whole story. What is what is car show etiquette, Andrew? What's the main rule to car show? I mean, the main rule, like wear pants. I don't... <laughs> all right. Or that, or that's just like a beyond, societal norm. Beyond, beyond societal all right, rules. All right, all right, yes. all right, all right. I mean, don't murder the car show host. <laughs> all right, you got me. Yeah. Be, be, beyond uh, the societal rules, what's what what is has a couple of very specific car show rules. What's car show rule number one? Well, you you know you don't touch something that's unless the person tells you that you can or right. Don't <laughs> touch anybody's stuff unless you're invited. Actually, you know what? That's not even a car show rule. That's also a societal rule, is it not? Yeah, for the most part. If any of yours, don't touch it. I mean, cars should be enjoyed, but somebody needs to. Invite you to enjoy their car with them. A hundred percent. Just because it's sitting there doesn't. Listen, we're going to make, gonna make it a conversation of consent, Andrew. The car needs the car owner needs to give you consent to touch their car. Period. Just like anything else in life, that is just the the main rule of life. Like, don't mess with anybody's stuff. So, I went to, and again, I don't want to talk poorly about the show. Because it doesn't affect the show itself. It was just these particular individuals at this particular show. The Pavs show, which is the Pavilion's Saturday night show here in Phoenix. It's actually technically, I think, in Scottsdale. Um, it's the longest running every Saturday night car show in the country. It's a huge show on a nice temperate evening. You'll have three, 400 cars there. Cars start coming at 2 in the afternoon, uh, and they rotate in and out until 8 o'clock at night when they shut it down. So it's a neat place to go. It's every bit of Phoenix car culture is there. So don't let my my story of this, you know, sully your thoughts about this show. Obviously, anywhere you go where you have thousands of people, there's bound to be somebody who's not intelligent, right? Somebody who's a dummy. Somebody who doesn't know the rules. But the problem is... Not that they don't know the rule. A lot of it has to do with their reaction afterwards, too. So I went to this event, uh, and I met 
actually former guest of the show, Ron, with the uh, Starion, who goes to all the Radwood stuff with me. Um, his wife and uh, another friend of ours who goes to a lot of Radwood shows, uh, Mike. Mike was in town. Mike actually lives up in the Bay Area of California. But he was in town because he had flown here to go to Tucson to buy a car to drive to Radwood, Austin. We can talk about that car too. Super rad car. It's a 1986 Subaru XT6 Turbo manual. Okay. Super cool car. Um, like a 60,000 mile original example, checkered seats and just a rad car. But anyway, so I'd gone down because he was in town. Um, and we're going to meet them there. We're all going to bring, you know, cars there, hang out at the show, and then go out for dinner or whatever afterwards. Not important. So we're there walking around. Walk around the whole show. And again, this is a 300-car car show. It's a pretty big parking lot. So you can be anywhere in this show. And we happen to be near our cars. And we see this group of what has to be high school girls. Um, and they were out looking for attention, as I guess high school girls do. And they weren't wearing many clo- much for clothing. And they were taking pictures of each other in front of this car or whatever. And everybody's making fun of them because... They were wearing like crop tops and miniskirts, and it was like 44 degrees out. So it's like, these people have to be cold. What are you doing? Go. So everybody was kind of like, you know, haha, well, these dummies, all cold. You're 15. Get out of here. Go home. Um, we weren't really paying much attention to them until I saw my car door open. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And then I noticed it was this same group. So I don't like to yell in public. I don't like to make a scene. Uh, but I yelled pretty loudly. Um, and I, I used colorful language. And they kind of looked at me and didn't really react much. And then Ron's wife was there and Naomi was there. And Ron and Mike were there. And Naomi hears me yelling and is probably surprised because I don't like to yell in public. And she knows that. And then she realized what was going on and she yelled. So when another female yelled at them, they definitely took more notice, I think. Um, They got out of my car because they were getting, they were in my car. They got out of my car. They turned uh, and one of them started laughing. And then, of course, when one of them started laughing, the other one started laughing, which aggravated me even more, to which I yelled at them for laughing. And now Ron's wife was also very upset that they were laughing at us. And she started yelling at them. So now there is three middle-aged dudes and two women coming at this group of like five high school kids screaming at them. And they're laughing. And the closer we got, the less they laughed. And then I think it was when uh, normally mild-mannered Naomi, um, who happened to be wearing a leather jacket that night, so now I call this leather jacket Naomi, Um. Screamed at them again and called them a certain word that began with a C. Which uh, I won't say on the podcast so that, you know, if you're listening in the car with your children driving to work, you don't have to hear it. Uh, You can tell them it was uh, close. That was the word. Um, So she yelled that very loudly in the parking lot. I I do apologize to anybody whose children were there, but it was deserved at the time. Uh, And at this moment, all of these teeny boppers... And their boyfriends, actually, funny part of the story, their boyfriends ran away first, uh, leaving them behind. 
<laughs> and then they all took off after their boyfriends and uh, scuffled across the parking lot, across the street, into the Target lot next door, and not to be seen again. So, moral of the story, don't touch other people's stuff. Don't get into anybody's car. And when somebody tells you you're doing something wrong, don't laugh at their face. I don't think that any of the females involved in the story on the good side, on our side, calmed down for a solid half hour. They were just like fired up and talking about waiting for him to come back. <laughs> um, and then after this all happens, of course, other people are like come up to the person who yelled a C word across the parking lot. And are like, what happened? And she's telling them what happened. And a couple of them were like, well, I'm in the car next to you. And we're not going anywhere. So if they come back, don't worry about it. You can walk away. Because <laughs> now at that point, I'm afraid like they're going to come back and like be mean and like, you know, scratch it or something. But no, <laughs> no, no they, were, they, they were too scared. Yeah, they were gone. <laughs> they were gone at that point. So that's uh, that's now referred to as leather jacket, Naomi. Um, I've heard another story about somebody who got to that point in the past, and I've always kind of chuckled about it, but now I believe every word of it. So, oh, I was there for that one. I think I know what you're talking about. Oh no, there's two. There's two stories. You weren't there for one of them. You were there. That's a family. That's a family story. That is a family story. Yes. Um, there's two of those family stories where she got real angry and at people who deserved it. She does not get angry. She's a very even, even keeled person. And but if you deserve it, you deserve it, right? So. Uh, it was a fun night. It was an interesting night. Um, I was so uh, curious about the little Colts. I think it was just there, and the door was open. Um, you know, it wasn't locked I mean, up. Has anybody has anybody gone on? Uh, you can have uh, Jalopy Jeff go on TikTok and and find these find them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't know how you'd even find them because you can't like they wouldn't hashtag Dodge Colt. The hashtag big scary old people yelling at us. I don't know what yeah, happened. Yeah. But yeah, it was uh it was an interesting. We got into a Karen's car. Yeah, exactly. Uh no, it was it was definitely interesting. Um, and they definitely ran away scared. I do have to say, uh, props to the boyfriends for leaving their defenseless fifteen <laughs> year old girlfriends behind to fend for themselves. Good future on you there. Uh they were wearing uh, a couple of the guys were wearing Saguaro High School t- uh, sweatshirts, which is the high school in Scottsdale. So it's all, you know, uh, there you go. snooty rich kids, right? But anyway, yeah, that's that's the story from that night. I'm I'm very glad that I was in the cult um, because a car like the Cressida or the Sapporo that has like a mint condition original interior, but everything is super fragile and you have to be careful with it. I would have been even more mad, but the Colt at least has kind of a trash interior. It was just at that point. It wasn't even that they did it. It was just the turning and laughing afterwards that just kind of put everybody on edge. You know what I mean? But the good news is that everybody who witnessed it that came up to us afterwards was 100% in support of us. So I think it's kind of a a known thing that you don't do that. I mean, it's definitely a known thing that you don't do that. So hopefully they uh, will never go to a car show again. Those are my my two stories. So, I think I need you to talk a little bit because I now need to have a drink because I can't talk anymore. Sure. What's next? Um, Moving on. So, not great story. So, speaking of that Subaru XT and wrecking the Saab, yes. Uh, because you're gonna bring the Saab to Radwood. That was gonna and be that Subaru, yeah. In 
March, March last February. February. The end of February. Uh, actually, the episode that we had Bradley on that came out that Friday, it was supposed to be that weekend. Correct, because he was in town at my house because my house is kind of sort of on the way and he wanted to hang out here before going there. In fact, he was going to help me get cars prepped for Radwood. So anyway, um, there was really bad weather through Texas. Yep. Um, see, you could take another drink. We talked about weather. Um, <laughs> but it's not New England weather. It's different. Uh, the show was uh, canceled because of weather. Postponed. Um, it, postponed. Postponed. It's a good thing they did, too, because there was a news report that Friday, which Friday would have been the big travel day. Um, and there were over 100 traffic accidents in 24 hours because all of the roads were completely ice covered. Oh, yeah. Um, no doubt. And so anyway, flash forward to yesterday. Um, Haggerty announced that they had purchased the Radwood show. Yeah, they purchased the Radwood brand. The brand. Yeah, more than the show. They've been integrating it in with Concourse that they own now. Yep. They've been buying up Concourses. Uh, and they purchased Radwood. And they will do standalone shows. And also continue to have it with their concourses to expose more people to uh, that era of cars. Yeah, first, first and foremost, I want to say congratulations to all of the guys at Radwood. Um, I mean, it's no small feat to start something from nothing that grows into something that's big enough that a publicly traded company like Haggerty is interested in purchasing it. That's like, that's huge. I mean, that's the dream, right? You want to build something that's worth something and have a story to tell and then, you know, ride off into the sunset and get paid and have your brand be uh, remembered forever as something you started. Yeah, so I know there's a, a little concern over companies buying up all these different there is. shows. There is. But from what I've heard and seen of the CEO, uh, McKeel Haggerty, he's doing it because he wants to preserve these events and keep them going yep and so far that's what i'm seeing so i am happy about that yeah all the reports i've heard from all of the events you've been to one already and i've been involved with some that haggerty's been at not run yet but and all the reports i've heard from other people is that everything's been great and the stuff they've added to these events is better you know it's not not these events <laughs> all needed help but some that did have gotten a lot better yeah, it's more capital and more, uh, it seemed like, bodies. People to help run the event. Bodies and exposure. Was, yeah. And I would, yeah, I, I'd definitely go back to Greenwich. Uh, I was talking to Stephanie that I was like, man, I really wish I'd gone to Amelia Island. And I think next year that would be a nice, fun little family road trip because it's really, it's like a 20-hour drive. You know, we can drive halfway yeah. one day, half yeah. the other day. And uh, that's the other thing. They've they've made these events more family-friendly, especially saw that Concord, at uh, Greenwich. Yep. Did a lot of stuff for little Not kids. Not that Radwood and... wasn't family-friendly, but... No. Uh, it was very... It's always been very family-friendly. Yep. Fr friendly to everyone. Um, a yeah, very inclusive event, which is one but, of the things that I've Haggerty's been doing, too, is they've been more inclusive with everything. Like, they're buying these, you know... For lack of a better word, stuffed shirt concourses, um, and they're taking them down just enough of a notch that the concourse is still the same, you know, panache that it had before, 
but there's enough going around around it that it makes it more accessible to others. You don't have to have, you know, a, a Fortune 500 portfolio to enjoy yourself at a Haggerty Run concourse, which is important, I think. Yeah. All right. So that's that's really the big card news we have. I don't want this to be a Haggerty love fest because they're not paying us enough to. Do, they're not paying us anything to do. Paying us anything? No. Uh, well, it's not a Haggerty love fest, but it, yeah. it is. But it is a Radwood love fest, and it's it's because yeah. you know the the guys that started out Radwood, you know, through Radwood and through podcasts, have become you know friends of ours. And I just I'm um, I'm super happy for them, and I know that a couple of them are staying on with Haggerty to continue to run the event the way they want. Um, and from what I've heard from them, I mean, there's there's nothing happening here that they're not in control of or not happy with. And a lot of the things that they wanted to do that they couldn't do because of a lack of funding, because they were just, you know, five guys that are normal middle-class guys that started this themselves. They couldn't, they couldn't outlay thousands of dollars to, you know, book venues and have celebrity guests and do track events and all this other stuff they wanted to do and have, you know, period music, all, all that stuff costs money. And when you have five dudes running it out of their, you know, out of the goodness of their heart and their brain, and they're just regular middle-class guys, they don't have the capital to do this. Now Haggerty, who is a publicly traded company, has thousands of dollars, can say, hey, we want to do a Radwood at such and such, you know, place in eight months, and we'll pay you now to reserve it. And, you know, then we'll get some 80s or 90s band to play there, and they could pay them. At all. The big thing that's happening is money is being infused into it. I think the extra brains infused into it, not because the Radwood guys needed extra brains, but it, every, every bit helps, right? And everything is just going to be more, I don't know, more, there's more. They can be, they can do more. And that's, that's what they wanted to ultimately do. And I think this is the best way to do it. And I think the fact that Art and Warren are staying on and kind of keeping their fingers in the, in the game and keeping their brain in it. And, you know, they started it, they know how to best run it and they're going to be there with Haggerty the whole time. And um, I'm actually excited for what's going to happen in the future. Um, the only thing that we're going to miss is uh, Naomi said she's going to miss working the merch booth because that's her favorite thing to do. But I don't know if we'll be able to do that anymore with Haggerty in control, but that's okay. No, the other um, people enjoy yeah. the show. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to go to the first, you know, they rescheduled the Austin event for April, I think April 25th and 6th or something. Yeah. I don't know. And it's, it's the end of April me. at some point. Um, I didn't look it up, but oops. Um, but they rescheduled the event for a better time of the year and it's, you know, it's after the Haggerty buyout. So I assume Haggerty will be pretty, pretty involved in it and, uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. And I'm going to the one in Philly. Excellent. That's in May, um, right? Yep. It's May. It's actually my birthday weekend too. I was thinking of coming out. So we'll see. Yep. You're more than welcome to. Yeah. I was thinking of just flying into Philly and hanging out with you and then driving back with you maybe to Boston so I could see my family and then fly home from there. But we'll see what happens. April 23rd is Radwood Austin. May 21st is um, Philly. Excellent. Yeah, it's right after, it's right after my birthday weekend, so I might, uh, I might treat myself to a flight to Philly and then hang out with you there and then, if you don't mind, drive back to Boston with you. So... Or you find a Boston, and you can drive down with me, and we'll drive back. <laughs> either way, what I'd probably do is either fly into Philly, and then drive to Boston, or fly into Boston and then fly out of Philly. For scheduling wise, is what I'm saying. 
time t- timing wise <laughs> the most yeah. the least the least days off work and still see people but anyway we'll plan that off air but i'm excited for both those events so mm-hmm. so all right cool that's car news um that's some events coming up project car updates i got i talked about buying these um some 3d printed spoiler clips for the talon because the talon spoiler has been broken for many many years and like two years ago i was like just kind of bored one day at a day off it was summertime it was warm out i was like let me look at this loose spoiler it's been bugging me for years i pulled it off and the there's like u-shaped clips uh and there are these threaded clips that go into the spoiler that's what actually locks it in place and those were completely shattered and i sort of uh, bodged them together with cable ties and it held pretty good. Yeah, it did a pretty and good then, job actually considering. And I didn't know that these 3D printed things existed. I Maybe they didn't in 2019, but I, I saw it later on Facebook. Somebody, one of my people I follow that's into DSMs, like commented on this page. So I ended up following the page. It's DSM 3D Creations. Um, and they've they have a couple... They have a bunch of shifter bushings, which is cool, because uh, th- those things are like falling apart. And uh, I'm really happy with the quality of the spoiler stuff I got. So I'm going to buy those shifter things next. Are but they anyway, it was in the shifter assembly or in the cables. Or in what? the shifter assembly. Okay. So like the lever. Yep. And all the mechanisms, like those bushings, are all plastic, and by now they have deteriorated and broken. Sure thing. On all the cars. <laughs> so. I yeah, um, I need two sets. But anyway, these spoiler clips, which I think you said your spoiler is loose on your car too. It's very loose, yep. Uh, yeah, they're probably broken. It sounds like they're, them. the rear struts have fallen out of the car, but it's the spoiler. Oh, I would get these. Yep. Um, it was, I, I did a video on it. So if you go to our YouTube page, um, Auto Off Topic on YouTube, I've got a decent little video on it. It's like a half hour long, so. Yeah, actually, I watched the whole thing, thing. taking it off. I watched the whole thing while working the other day, and it definitely sold me on buying these clips. So, yeah, you can kind of see it like in the beginning, I can move it a decent amount, and then at the end, I really can't move it that much. And of course, it's going to have some flex because that spoiler is just plastic. And I think I pointed out in the video the passenger side front corner of it, I think the bracket where it mounts to the plastic spoiler, there's a metal bracket underneath, is actually a little bit loose, and that's so, why it's popped up. Fun fact, that spoiler has been on and off, like, two different cars, too, because that was the one yeah. that was from my old Talon that I had painted gloss black back in, like, 2000. <laughs> yeah, and I probably didn't do a great job. 22 years ago. <laughs> taking it off, yeah. uh, like, whatever it was, 2003 or four, whenever I swapped it over. Right. Um. And yeah, my parts car's got one, but it's not gloss painted black, and I don't want to pay to have it painted gloss black right now. So and they look cool painted gloss black. <clears throat> they do. It does look really good. That uh I gotta hand it to you, that looks really good. Yeah. And um people said I was crazy, but No, it looks way better. It looks so much better. <laughs> and uh yeah, especially even twenty years old, it's still shiny. So anyway, yeah, it was super easy to do. Um, you should definitely get them. 
they're kind of expensive. It was like 90 bucks for all these clips, but I, listen, it's, it's worth a hundred bucks to keep the spoiler on nice and tight for sure. You know, and I, you can't get problem. them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the problem with 3d printing stuff is unfortunately it's, it's small batch and it's expensive. Um, and I'm, I noticed that in a lot of things because people have to put the time and effort into creating that file and then the actual printing of it, the material is not cheap and they have to, yes, yeah, so I really shouldn't complain about owning the, the printer, but, but <laughs> yeah. I've been looking at like, you know, even scale car stuff, like one twenty fourth scale model car stuff. You know, I was looking at a set of wheels that I wanted to buy to build a model car and they wanted like 30 bucks for a set of wheels. And I was like, ah, I can't, I can't. Can't do it. Sorry, guy. I apologize, but I can't spend thirty dollars for a set of one twenty fifth scale wheels. So. Yeah, I think the Montero cup holder was like sixty five bucks or something. But yep. I mean, I I want to support these people because they're doing stuff for a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and <laughs> Naomi even said to me when I was like, I can't buy these. She's like, just sell some of the crap that you don't need anymore, and then use that money to buy stuff like that. I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so. That's her way of both telling me I should buy them and also telling me get crap out of our closets. <laughs> I don't know if your car is missing the little door screw caps that are by the pull handles. To I'm missing get one out of, the of car. them, yes. All right. I, I have it. The tabs are broken. This company makes them in 3D printed. I was actually thinking about that earlier today because I actually drove the Eclipse today for the first time since Radwood SoCal of November. Um, mm-hmm. And I got out of the car and I was like, man, I try to find a car with that screw cap in it. So excellent. I'll be buying that too. Yeah. Very cool. Actually, I have yeah. a friend out here with the same year Cressida as my 81, who is also into 3D printing stuff. And he made a bunch of interior trim parts for that too. So hmm. very cool. cool. Yep. Yeah. If, if if the person can figure out the the texture, which I think it can be done, yep, then it looks really good. Yeah, the new 3D printing stuff is crazy. It's I've seen I, a couple of guys. It's going to save printing. all these old cars, honestly. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some guys printing cup holders for first gen Monteros. Yep. That goes in that front, like that spot in front of the shifter. Yep. Where it has a spot for a cup holder, and then a spot wide enough to fit a modern cell phone. Interesting. Like standing up. Yeah. Interesting. I have to get to that first gen Montero anyway to get so it's a reason to now. <laughs> No, it's cool, cool, cool stuff. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool tech. I've, I've, I've thought about trying to get into it myself, um, because I think that's something I'd be pretty good at. Because I like playing with like computer design and stuff, but not in the cards right now. But maybe once I get some stuff straightened out and get a garage built here, I'll do something like that. Because I would love to build a lot of this stuff for the community. Because I think it's important to saving these old cars that are. You know, all these 90s and even early 2000s plastics are just getting so brittle that they just need to be replaced, especially out here in Phoenix. So, very cool. But yeah, that video is up on YouTube as well, so be sure to check that out. Especially if you have an Eclipse, but even if you don't, just to, you know, enjoy Andrew's uh, step-by-step instructions. Yeah, definitely. I said I was going to try to make more videos, so that's what I'm doing. I'm uh, I'm trying as well. I've made a couple of short clips. Um, All right. Hopefully, I can piece them together and do something with them. Because um, I actually finally had some time, and I've healed up enough from the accident that I can move around again. I pulled out the 1981 Cressida that I picked up back in November. 
I haven't talked much about this car, other than when I first got it, because I haven't really touched it. Um, so it's two years after my blue car, the 79. It's the first year of the second generation Cressida, which makes it a MX-62 chassis. I did not know the MX-62 chassis existed. I was only aware of the MX-63 chassis. Um, turns out... Nerd alert. Nerd yep, alert. Hey, Nerd it is alert. what it is. I'm not going to refer to it by that. I'm just going to say what I didn't... What the stuff that I learned is that the earlier second-gen Cressidas, which were the 81-82 cars, um, which are the 62 chassis, have a solid rear axle, and they have a single-cam version single-cam fuel-injected version of the motor that's in the earlier car that I have, the blue car. So the second, I guess you'd call them like a 2GA and 2GB if they were Eclipses, um, the later cars have the twin cam that comes in the mid-80s Cressidas, and they have an independent rear. So my car is actually a simpler, easier car to work on, um, other than being fuel-injected. It's basically the same car as the 79. So the suspension is the same, chassis is the same. In fact, all of the aftermarket suspension parts that I have in the 79 are exactly the same for the 81. And it's less than a thousand bucks for everything that I have. So I might just buy all that if the car winds up becoming a running driving car because it'll make it really cool really quickly. So got the car moved. Um, again, I, I've talked about her a lot on this particular episode, but I can't thank her enough because she loves to get her hands dirty and help me with this stuff. Uh, Naomi helped me move the car around because it doesn't run. So we pushed it out of the backyard, got it lined up in front of the garage. Um, biggest problem with this car, and the biggest reason I hadn't touched it, was the car has been sitting since 2003, according to the date and the license plate. That's a long time. That was, believe it or not, Andrew, 19 years ago. Um, Whoa. Yeah. In that 19 that was years, like five years ago, right? It was 19 years ago. So, in the 19 years that the car sat, it sat with the rear windows cracked just a little bit. They didn't get much water in them because they have the chrome vents over them. Um, but it did allow a lot of mice ingress. So, the car was covered inside with you know, mouse fur and signs of nests and feces and all that gross stuff that mice bring with them. The biggest problem with that is that the car came from northern New Mexico in the high desert area where uh, the hantavirus is carried by mice, which is actually, it's carried by like their urine and their feces and you can't, it, it's bad for humans and pets and all that stuff too. It, it, it's, a, it's pretty nasty stuff. You can get pretty sick from it. Um, I don't want a 1981 Cressida to be the cause of my death. So... We both went out there in full, like, we both had, like, a mechanics jumpsuit and gloves and N95 masks and started vacuuming the car out, step one, right? The one thing I did do when I first got it here was I went out for, like, a week and I sprayed the entire interior with Lysol every night and Microband 24 every night to try to kill as much of that stuff as I could. So I'm trying to be as safe as possible with it. Um... We also put mouse traps in it when I first bought it here in case any of the mice traveled with it from up there down to here. I didn't want to introduce those mice into our neighborhood. So 
all the mouse traps didn't catch anything. I'm trying to be responsible here, Andrew, being an adult. I like that. Well, that's what the cat is for that lives in the starion. The starion cat? Yeah, well, yeah. I don't want the starion cat getting hantavirus either. As much as I don't Cats like... don't get it. They do, actually. It does affect cats and dogs. That's a particular virus. Yeah, it's not good. Um, so anyway, out of an abundance of caution, I uh, didn't want to, again, be killed by this or kill any of my dogs. Because, uh, you know, we have too many cars and also too many dogs. So um, I wanted to make sure everything was, you know, up to snuff and cleaned. But so we started working on it. She started by vacuuming out the passenger side, cleaning up everything. I did the driver's side. Then we tackled the trunk together. Got it all cleaned out. Got it to a point where I like don't feel grossed out sitting in it. Um, the next step in cleaning in it is we have a small handheld steam cleaner that actually her daughter bought her for Christmas this year because she loves cleaning things. Like we use it for all the grout in the house, and it's a pretty amazing tool. If you never use a steam cleaner, it's fun. It watching it just pick up dirt is crazy. So we're going to use that small hand-powered steam cleaner and try to do all the seats because it has gray cloth seats. And where those windows were down in the back, the sides of the front seats have water damage to them. So we're going to see if we can get those stains out of it, plus any other stains from the, the mouse droppings and whatnot. Um, the interior actually, other than those couple of little stains, looks really good. The dash is cracked, as any 1981 Cressida would be. But I'll just get one of those carpet covers for now and cover it up, right? Same they did in the Colt. They make them color match the brown, so that'd be easy to do. Um, at that point, I was like, you know what? Let's put a battery in this thing and see what happens. Because I haven't done that yet. I literally haven't done anything with this car yet. I don't want to crank it over until the you know fuel's been changed over, but I gave it a quick crank just to make sure the motor wasn't lo uh, locked up. Put the battery in. Opened the door. Actually, she was sitting in the passenger seat. I put the battery in and connected it, and the auto seat belt started to move and scared her half to death. She jumped out of the car. But the good sign is that the auto seat belt worked. I opened the passenger side, the auto uh, sorry the driver side, the auto seat belt went all the way forward. The driver side, so the auto seat belts work. Got in the car, put the key in the ignition, turned it on. All of the, you know, warning lights in the dash lit up. Turned the headlights on. There was like a five-second delay, and the lights went on. High beams worked. Tail lights worked. Brake lights worked. Backup lights worked. All the interior lights worked. Turned the radio on. Radio worked. Turned the blower motor on. Blower motor worked all four speeds. So it was almost like the car had never been sitting other than that five-second delay on the headlights turning on. So... Like I said, I gave it a quick crank, like a two-second crank, just to make sure the motor wasn't locked up. Probably should have done it by hand. Your dad's going to yell at me when he hears this, but I was excited and just did it. Um, motor's not locked up. It turned right over. I did check the fluids before I did it, and all the fluids looked perfect. Like, the oil literally looks brand new. The power steering fluid looks brand new. The coolant is green. There's no mud in the overflow tank. Everything looks, like, really good. The, the air filter looked brand new. So... I haven't started it yet. Um, I have to drain the old fuel out of the tank. I ordered today a fuel filter, a siphon pump, spark plugs, wires, cap, rotor, a bunch of that kind of tune-up stuff, and uh, just see if we can get this thing working. So I'm excited. I'll have all the stuff here on Saturday to uh, 
to go through it and see if we can get it running. And see, if you had a junk sob sitting in your yard, you wouldn't have gotten into this car. You're right. I already know that. I've My brain has already gotten to that point, so I'm fine. Because it sounds like you should be able to do a tune-up and check some other things in this car and drive it. I'm hoping so. Um, I was I looked around the chassis last night. Um, it needs some bushings in the rear suspension, but honestly, not all of them. Just a couple. Um, it's going to need tires, obviously. <laughs> um, it's going to need more cleaning. I want to power wash under the hood and power wash the chassis and clean it the best I can. It needs a windshield, which is not going to be easy. But uh, I, the way I look at it, worst case scenario now, the motor's free. Cranks over, all the electronics work. Worst case scenario, all this car could possibly need motor-wise, it would be a head gasket, right? Like I suppose. But what 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 parked the car? But I've already done a head gasket in that same motor. It doesn't take much effort to do it. I know how to do it now. Um I could have that done in a day. Oh, you don't know why the car was parked? I have no idea why the car was parked. Oh. The owner who I bought it from, yeah, it was it was just on his property. It was on the land when he bought the land, so he doesn't know anything about it either. The person who owned the car passed away years ago and left. Remember, I told you that on the land, he was like, "Yeah, that was there." He's like, "That van over there, the Astro van yeah. was here." He's like, "There was a first gen Montero," and I was like, "No, <laughs> where did that go?" He was like, "Oh, some guy from New Mexico bought it last week." Or no, Phoenix. I mean, his Phoenix actually. I was in New Mexico. But yeah, some guy <laughs> from Phoenix Josh. bought it last week. And I was like, no, they didn't. And he's like, yeah, I, I actually, I drove it through Phoenix on my way to Mexico. He's like, and I stopped there and get a windshield in it. And some guy saw it and he offered me money on the spot. And I said, when I get back from Mexico, I'll sell it to you. So I did. And I was like, man, I missed that one. He's like, yeah, by like a week. And I was like, ah. <laughs> so anyway, he has no idea what the vehicle was doing there. He knows he never did anything with it. Um, the only thing he did was he got a title for it so he could sell it. So. Maybe the guy just parked it because he died. I have no idea. That that would be ideal, right? The car will just fire up and drive like nothing's wrong with it. So we'll see what happens. How many miles are in it? 120,000? Yeah, what? I mean, if the coolant's clear, I don't know. You could do a you know, uh, system pressure tester with the, from Harbor yeah, Freight. No, I fully plan on one, testing. Right? I do have one, yep. I fully plan on testing everything. Um, you know, and go from there. I just, I. All signs point to it's going to be easy, but I don't want to say that because, you know, it's always something. But I don't know. I will we'll see. There's, there was no, usually you get a car like this, there'll be like a bunch of parts in the trunk from them trying to fix something. This doesn't have that. There's no extra parts anywhere. Like, it was just a car. So the only thing that I need to find beyond the windshield is the chrome molding that goes on the top of the, like, drip rail on the passenger side. There's one in the trunk that fits there, but it's all dinged and dent damaged. So that's it's a pretty clean car. There's no rust anywhere. So I'll take it. But anyway, so I'm excited. I posted a picture cool. today on my Instagram with the dash all lit up. So the dash is really neat. Like 80s, like 70s and 80s Japanese cars, the the fonts and stuff on the dashboards are just so crisp and clear. And very easy to read. It's very pleasing to look at. So, I dig it. It's gonna be a cool car. Even the radio. They said the radio came on. The radio worked. So, <laughs> it's a crappy aftermarket, you know, tape deck from Radio Shack or something. So that'll get changed, but still, it worked. 
All right. Well, speaking of Toyotas, uh, I've got one that costs significantly more. At one point, like it probably didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, at one point, it probably didn't. So this is a car that I thought was probably the most significant Japanese car ever made. Yep. Um, because it's the Toyota 2000 GT, but it was the one that was prepped by Shelby to race in SCCA. Yeah, fun fact, it was in Maine, in Biddeford, Maine, its entire life, which is like not far not from where you grew but up. But well, most well, of its life. <laughs> from the early 80s until recently, like you could just walk in there and look at it. I was just there in the showroom. Yeah, and I saw it in, I posted it on Instagram, I saw it in 2013 at the Lime Rock Park Historics. Yep. Start. I like. I walked. I didn't like look at the entry list. So I didn't know it was there. And I walked around the corner in the paddock, and it was just sitting there. Yeah. I was like, "Holy crap, that's amazing!" And I took a bunch of pictures of it. And then I saw it, it was running on track. Yep. Um, guy wasn't driving it super hard, but it was cool to see it at speed because it'll probably never be driven again. Right. At speed. If eh, I don't know, unless you get some crazy person. Yeah. A lot at, of these. Uh, a lot of these money guys Laguna that Seca. buy these cars will run them, and I bet we'll see it at Laguna during the reunion. Um, the cool thing is actually it was at a place in in Biddeford, Maine called Maine Line Exotics. Maine spelled out like the state of Maine. You can go to their website and there's pictures of it in their showroom actually. But they also yeah. have pictures of it from that same 2013 Lime Rock event. And it's in the field of 911s and MG Midgets and Spitfire race cars and all these other like significantly less significant race cars. And the picture they posted is the car coming through the S's with all, like mid-pack with all these cars. And what strikes you first when you see it is just how small the car really is. They're very, very small in person. Not not seeing one other than like in a studio setting. They look like, huge. They look like, like the a pictures... Jaguar XJ, you know, whatever. Yeah. XJS. The XJ. pictures of this car for Gooding and Company, I think is what the auction house. Yep. They're really beautiful pictures, but they have no scale to them. No sense of scale. So you have no idea how big this thing is. It's nope. tiny. Yeah. Like it's, it's super small. It's, it's got to be, you know, like when you see a GT40, a real one. Yep. If you can ever see a real one, they are 40 inches off the ground. I yeah. think this is about the same height. Like yep. you're, it's, but it's half waist the level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's half the width and longer. I mean, let's put it this way. When they used one for the James Bond movie, they had to cut the roof off because Connery didn't fit in it. Yeah, he's like so, six feet, six yeah. two or something. He's a pretty yeah, he's, big guy. He's big, but he's not like he's not minute bull. You know, he's not seven foot eight. Yeah, but so. he's like he's actual tall versus like movie star tall. Regardless, they had to cut the roof off to make it work for the movie, so they did. Um, but it's super cool. But yeah, so Goodian Company sold it at Amelia Island, right? Yeah, and the, here's the thing though: when I started in 2013, this a streetcar had sold for a million. And that was the first time a Japanese card eclipsed a million dollars. So even then, it was a valuable card. Nobody knew how valuable it would be because it is one of one. Yep. Or I think that I think there was a second car. There were two race cars, but I think this is the only one that's like actually tied to Shelby. Yeah, if I know for a fact. And there's ones that were done in Japan, but yep. they don't have that Shelby name. Yeah, my question, though, is I don't know if this is the most valuable one or if the one that ran the speed trial in Japan is the most valuable one. The yellow. I bet this is the most valuable one because Mm. people recognize Shelby. 
it's definitely the most valuable one to the American market. I just don't know if the other one is going to be more valuable to the world market because it's the it's the car that kind of it took Toyota to the next level of auto manufacturer, whereas this did not. Yeah, this actually didn't wasn't that success, successful as a race car. It was nope. just kind of meh. So, um, yeah, and now it's worth uh, somebody paid two point five million for it. So yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a ton of money. Yeah, it's a beautiful car though. It's a gorgeous car. It, one of my absolute as as, favorite cars ever. And I and I think it's it hasn't really been restored either. I think it's pretty much preserved, like it was. Not, I don't think so. It has. I, been, I don't has know been, the history of the car. It has been painted and restored. So the history of the car is okay. The car ran in nineteen sixty six, sixty seven. I think it was at the very beginning of Shelby's real heavy, heavy involvement with the GT and the the Cobra stuff. Like he was into the Cobras earlier, but it wasn't like big block Cobras or anything yet. And this car kind of came across. I forget the reasoning that he got involved with it, but he was definitely involved with the car. Probably because he was looking for programs. It could have been that for and sure. You you kind of get that sense in the you know it's fictionalized, but in you know the what was the name of that movie? Uh, Ford vs Ferrari. Ford vs Ferrari. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, it's yeah. I'm thinking it was a more complicated name than that, but it um, yeah. You kind of get that sense. It's fictionalized, but that they didn't have a lot of money and right. they were looking for a race program. And uh, may you know he maybe thought Toyota was going to do it, but. In the end, he ended up being a Ford guy. So, yeah. So, what happened after that car race? The car raced in like 66, 67. Um, and then it went and got parked in Toyota's California warehouse uh, until like 73 or 74. Uh, and then in the mid 70s, every time a Toyota executive came over from Japan, it was used as like almost a rental car. That was the car they drove around. Weird. Yeah, that was the car they drove around California in. Um, it went to auction at some point in 1983 or 84. I don't remember the exact year. This is all from memory, so I apologize if I'm getting dates wrong. I'm not looking it up right now. Um, it went to auction at some point then. Um, and the place in Maine, in Biddeford, the Mainline Exotics, was known as the Toyota 2000 GT Specialists. In the 80s, right. there was a time where they had probably 10 of these cars, 15 of these cars, mm-hmm. because they were kind of worthless. You know, they've been into the 2000 GTs. I think they opened the doors, and again, I'm not looking it up. So 75 or 76 uh, it was mid-70s. It wasn't even cool yet to even be into any kind of Toyota product. These were old used cars. They were just old used cars obscure that nobody used knew cars. anything about. Yeah, they were super, super obscure. So he was buying them up when they were probably, you know, I bet I wouldn't doubt if he paid 500 bucks for one of these cars at one point. You know what I mean? I mean, this story sort of reminds me of Paul Russell and Ipswich restoring 300 SLs yeah. in the 80s yep. when they were like a $20,000 car. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we missed that boat just by being born too late, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, mainland exotics have been into these cars since the 70s. They heard about this car getting sold off uh, and they bought it at i don't i don't know if it was a public price i know they paid a premium over the, a regular one at the time but not like a significant premium it, it blows my mind that one day toyota was just like all right we're done with this we're going to sell it to a private buyer like again i guess used race cars at the time nobody cared you know and toyota was like whatever it's gone we don't care 
So Toyota sold it, and the guy in Maine wound up with it. I think, like I said, 84, 85. Um, and he's had the collection ever since. Uh, it, I think it has at least been repainted because I think that when it was being driven around as a normal car, I think it was just a plain white car. I think they got rid of the race scheme. So it was repainted to the Shelby race scheme. But again, please, please fact check me and tell me I'm wrong because this is all this is all historic knowledge in my head. I don't remember for sure. But I, I know that he's owned it pretty much ever since. As far as I know, he's the guy who sold it at auction. So, hey, good for him. But I'm glad that it. Uh, I'm glad that it exists. I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad it sold for such a premium because, I mean, if any car deserved to, it's that one. So it's cool to see Japanese cars really getting the recognition they deserve. In fact, going back to the conversation earlier about these about Amelia Island and yes. all these, I mean, there was a giant Japanese car display at Amelia Island. Yes, there was. So that was what was like. Oh, I really need to go to this. Yep. Yep. You know, and our friend Myron was there showing some of his cars. Yeah. And... Yep. So it was very, very, very cool, very cool stuff happening with Japanese cars. And I, I know as a, a buyer collector of them, it's going to hurt us, but it's also going to help us because as things become collectible, parts become available. You know, there's a company out there now replicating floors and quarter panels for Celicus now. You know, that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. So... Anyway, all good stuff. Yep. All right, cool. What an episode. What an episode. Yeah, we had a lot to talk about. So, uh, follow us on Out Off Topic Podcast on Facebook, Out Off Topic on Instagram, Out Off Topic on uh, Twitter. We've got Scale Autocast on Instagram as well. We promise that is in the works. It's coming. It is. And uh, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at TSISS350, or they can find me on my work-related but also car-related podcast called Drive the Bid, anywhere you find your podcasts. Don't not listen to us to listen to that, but also listen to that too. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of room. Yep. Plenty of room. Make time to hear All my right, voice. Cool. Yeah, you can follow me uh, on Instagram, Race and Anger. I am Race and Anger on Twitter as well. And... Uh, yeah. Oh, go to our YouTube page, Out Off Topic Podcast, yeah. or Out Off Topic, sorry, on uh, YouTube, and watch some of the videos I've been making. Good stuff. And uh, hopefully Brad's got some coming along, and I'll help him get him up there. Working on it. I have, I have some All video. Right. Three so, minutes for it so far. Cool. All right. And on that note, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Oh.